We want to say thank you for listening. So our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Access PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Access PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Access system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at access.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. With stories from Houston, Texas, a few out of Hurricane Katrina, and then some from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, these stories, as usual, kept me on the edge of my seat. I love them. So please welcome our next guest and his stories, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 450, Mr. Ed Hanna. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. 
These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Uh, Man, I've got another brother with me and I'm freaking stoked. So, you guys already heard him once, Mr. Ed Hanna, United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer, number 450. What's up, brother? Welcome back, man. Hey, well, thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be back, man. Dude, I, first, thank you again for coming on and you know, talking a little bit about Fernando. That's the first time we had you on, but now we uh-huh. do a little bit with you. So yeah. it was like- You twisted my arm. Yeah. I do- <laughs> I tried. I tried. I like. I think I sent like many, 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 many messages to you. Like, you got to do this. You got to do this. <laughs> it works. It works. Peer pressure. Squeak, positive, squeaky, right? squeaky wheel, right? Squeaky wheel right, gets yeah. the grease. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's, that's what it is, man. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. Oh well, like I said, Ed, man, thank you for coming on. Um, I, I'm looking forward. We're gonna go over a couple stories, and you got some some pretty nice awards while you're in. I get to read them, and then we get to go over them and dissect them, and it's gonna be a blast. I, I'm I'm really excited to hear some of the background of these stories. So, but first, man, if you don't mind, little introduction about you, background about yourself, and what brought you to the Coast Guard and being a swimmer. Well, I mean, I'm a small town kid. You know, grew up in a uh, in a small town, Plain City, Ohio. Uh, it was plain city, like plain as the name, like one traffic light. Okay. Uh, hitch and post still in the town when I lived there for the Amish, when they would come in and do their grocery shopping on Wednesdays. Okay. Um, so I'm talking my, my high school sit in between two cornfields and across the street from soybean field. Right. So it was just like, um, small town. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I, I grew up, um, pretty poor, you know, um, you know, my family, uh, my mom and dad, very demoralized, never graduated high school themselves, had a hard time struggling financially, you know, literally times where there was no electric or water running in the home, you know, we were sneaking off into town to the parks to, to get water, you know, so we could shower or whatever, bathe, you know, couldn't shower, obviously, but, you know, do things like that, so there was, uh, it, I, there was a point in time where I was in high school. I basically was like, I, I cannot continue to live in this life. You know, I've got to do something different. I've got to break this cycle because, um, I, I saw how easy it would be for me just to fall into that demoralized trap of where everything is against me. And, wow. uh, so I, um, I, I was the first Hannah male to graduate high school, which doesn't sound like much, but when you're the first male in your lineage for, for a long, long time um, to, to graduate high school, that was, that was kind of a big deal for me. Hell um, yeah, man. And then, you know, I, I didn't stop there. I wanted to go on and pursue uh, a, a, an education, you know, nothing wrong with trade work or anything like that. I mean, I did trade work in, in the Coast Guard for a long right. time. Um, but I wanted to have, I wanted to have the degree behind the name. So, um, so I went on and, and got a, um, a bachelor's degree in religion, then went on, got a master's of religious education. And now I have a master's of social work. So, um, I, I've, cow, just been, I've just been kind of trying to crush that, uh, that, 
that that ceiling, if you will, for for all the other Hannah males that come behind and say, you know, um, don't let your uh, you know don't let your circumstances dictate your outcome. You know, yeah. you can do something different of it if you choose to. You basically so, set a new bar and it's yeah. set pretty damn high. Well done, yeah. sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, um, I've been married for uh, 24 years uh, or coming up 24 years. Um, Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. A wonderful Southern Belle that I met in Mobile, Alabama at my first duty station while I was on the buoy tender, the White Pine, who's now been sold to Nicaragua or someplace down south. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but, um, just before I retired from the Coast Guard, she started a mental health practice and, uh, we focus on, um, on, on trauma. And so, uh, you know, after I got out, um, you know, it took me a little bit of time, but that's where I got the master of social work. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and, uh, and, you know, we, we run the practice. We have a couple locations. We're in four different schools in Clay County. Um, and, and more things are coming. So uh, really wow. just blessed to be able to be a part of that, the community of helping, you know, veterans, you know, uh, men, women, children, elderly, you know, you name it through every different type of, um, of trauma that you could even imagine. Um, so um, just really just that I, I'm, I've, I've found my new calling, you know, you can only that's jump awesome. out of a helicopter for so long, you know? Yeah, that's and, what they uh, keep telling me too. I, <laughs> I, I see the post sometimes of like guys going, hey, you know, swimmers are really short right now. If you need somebody, just let me know. I'm like, well, dude, I wish, I wish my back, I have vertebrae doing this, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing, you know, at an angle. A sideways. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen anymore, you know? <laughs> I jump out of a helicopter one of these times and I, I just might not be able to walk afterwards. So, <laughs> so they hey, might have you want a free fall? Not really. Yeah, just no. set me down on the cable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And just depends on how good the flight mech is, then whether or not I'm going to agree to that or not. Right? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got two boys. My oldest is married. I was able to, um, I'm an ordained minister too. So I was able to perform his ceremony, wow. um, you know, so that was just because my father was also a pastor. So imagine living up in a demoral, you know, demoralized lifestyle, but yet my dad was a preacher kind of thing. So I was a PK kid. So it was really just... Yeah, I was jacked up. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, but my dad had done my wife and I ceremony. So I was able to do that for my oldest son as well. So that was kind of a nice thing. That's so um, cool. You know, so now I have a daughter now. I had two boys. And now I have a daughter in the family. So we're super stoked about that. And, um, you know, he just finished up his, uh, uh, his associate's degree. And he's a commercial pilot now. And uh, my oh, younger right one, on. Yeah. Yeah. My younger one's, younger one's uh, uh, going to be a senior in high school and uh, he's lifeguarding over the summer. So uh -oh. both of them go like uh -oh. piloting <laughs> and the lifeguarding. You know, it's like they both kind of picked it up somewhere along the way without yeah. it even emerging in any place. So. <laughs> you're only around it so much before you're like yeah i want to do that yeah, oh, it's fun. that right they, they barely remember when i was an instructor at the school I used to bring them to the pool deck on the the night swims with the students 
and they bring them to the deck you know, to the to the pool with me so they remember watching me you know you know grill the students you know over uh, <laughs> on the pool nights but uh yeah oh man that is awesome that's hilarious yeah. so you know i, I want to tie in a couple of things so first your background to what you're doing now that i think it's awesome what you're doing now and the like what you're putting into the community, what you're putting into the, yeah. the people and kids that have trauma and whatnot. And the fact that you can relate to things that people are going through, I, it, it makes it such a different world when you can look at somebody and be like, yeah. oh, wow, you do know what I'm talking about. Or you've had mm -hmm. something like this happen to you. And yeah. I mean, I know that's yeah. that's a whole nother like conversation that maybe mm -hmm. we and I can have at a later time. But yeah, you know, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're not supposed to disclose about yourself. Okay, that's like one of the rules you're not supposed to do as a therapist. Um, but it's like kind of this unwritten rule that if it's going to benefit the client, you know, yeah. benefit yeah. that other person, allowing them a little bit into it, you know, like I do have a little bit of understanding. You know, I'm not exactly. saying I know your, I, I'm not saying I know your experience, but I do suffer from anger issues because of traumatic stress, you know, yeah. kind of thing, you know, and, you know, you got like kids looking at you going, what, you know, cause you're the professional, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're supposed to, I'm this white guy with gray hair, you know, kind of thing. And they're like, yeah. going, you know, like what, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, no, it's, it can be very um, empowering and powerful in those moments. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I love it, man. Yeah. Good for you. Solid. Um, all right. So now let's twist it a little bit. What yep. brought you to the Coast Guard and swimmer for that matter? Because, you know, like Coast Guard, I get it. You know, I, it's kind of like any other service. Like, oh, I just right. don't want to join a service. And oh, the Coast Guard had a store open. But go ahead. What, what, what's your story? Yeah. So I was actually working juvenile corrections at the time. And okay. <laughs> I, I was um, I was more inclined to trust the inmates than it was my coworkers. Okay. So yeah. That's not, that's not uh, good, man. That's not good. Yeah. I had been jumped, you know, I had been, you know, like, you know, four or five guys had jumped me, you know, down the end of the hall and had to put them all into, you know, back into the cell, you know, kind of thing. I'd been in riots, you know, I had, I'd seen some things already at this point in time. Um, you know, I was 23, 24, you know, um, and I was just like, you know what? I'm looking for something different. You know, I just want to do something different. It always had this military bug in, in me, you know? And so I literally was going to go to the recruiting station that was in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I was, um, I, you know, so I, I just, I, I thought maybe like Navy SEAL, you know, that's the only thing that I knew of, you know, Navy SEAL was like a movie out, you know, in like the late eighties, <laughs> early nineties, you know, um, oh, yeah. you know so that kind of like the thing I, I remember watching Top Gun, but I didn't realize that was Coast Guard. Right. So you know, so I, I didn't realize that, but I mean, I was just like Navy SEAL, you know, kind of thing. So I didn't know about Air Force PJs or any of that stuff. You know, I was just like I said, small town kid, limited exposure um landlocked right so um so i go in um open up the door and there was like you know it was like navy marine corps army air force you know and they're all like standing at their doors like they must have seen me walking up you know or they were just waiting there for the next flesh you know meet to walk in the door and um 
they were just like, hey, come here. And they, I can't even tell you what they were saying. They could have been offering me $100,000 bonuses. And I was just like, I was like going, what is this, right? So um, I, I just was like, you know what? I'm not even going to give these people their time of day. So I just kept walking. But as I'm walking, I'm realizing it's just a single hallway. There's no way to turn or get out on the, when you get to the back side. So I'm like walking towards this wall and realizing like, okay, so I'm going to have to turn around and walk back through. I guess, you know, the, the military is not for me. Um, and I get to the end of the hallway there and I'm about, I'm turning around and there's a door that's open and there's a guy that's sitting in a blue uniform and he looks at me and he goes, Hey, how you doing? You, you interested in the Coast Guard? I was like, Coast Guard. He goes, you want to come in? I was like, uh, sure. You know, cause I wasn't going back down that way. Right. So that that's how I wound up with the Coast Guard. Okay. That is hilarious. Um, so I'm I don't want to go there. back to the gauntlet. Don't send me back to the gauntlet. Coast Guard, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and so I walk in, sat down. There's obviously the picture of the 65, the dolphin with a guy jumping out of it, you know, the ASM, the rescue swimmer. And I was just like, what's that? You know, kind of thing. And he was like, oh, well, that's what everybody asked about. We have to put these posters up, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so it, but yeah, no, that's kind of how it started. That's how it started. That's awesome. Go through the gauntlet, get sucked in, see a guy jumping out of a helicopter on a wall. Yep, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there was the fact that he was treating me like a human being and the fact that, you know, uh, he, you know, he actually seemed to, to care other than, you know, there was just something different about it. You know, I was yeah. just like, you know, I'm, I'm not here to play games. You know, I was already in my 20s, you know. Yeah. I was like, I've made some decisions already. I've been through some things already. I just want to talk to somebody and find out what my options are, you know, and didn't want to, have, you know, be just like treated like a piece of meat. So, um, but yeah, no, I, that's, that's how, you know, that's how it all started, you know, that's hilarious. Boot camp, you know, <laughs> yep. uh, two years on the white pine there in Mobile and then a year at station Tybee. Or not even a year at Station Tybee. And uh, Wentz called me up and was like, hey, you know, because I was like number 150 on the school list when I first got on it. And then and then it just started because higher tenure was hitting for non-rates at that point in time. Oh, you know, what? I, I remember when that was happening, or at least it was yeah. I was on the back end of it. But yeah, the back end. Of it. Yeah, no, I was getting the letters going. If you don't have a rate. If you're not rated by this date or in a school by this date, you're going to be discharged. So I was just holding in. I was just holding on. You know, I was like, no, I, you know, I tried to look at some other rates like GM and stuff like that. And I was just like, no, I just I can't do it. I, I, I want to do this. I want to be an ASM. I want to be a helicopter rescue swimmer. And um, so I, you know. And then just one day, I remember it was my off day and um, they, they come up to because the, the barracks were right above the station. So they came up and were like, hey, there's this guy from a school, AS, ASM a school on the phone for you. And I go down and it was, you know, Thor Wentz, you know, I didn't know him at the time, but he's like, so I've got here orders to send you to, to go to a school in a month will you be able to go? And I was like, uh, yes. He goes, is your flight physical up to date? And I said, I'll get it up to date. He goes, 
now uh, I'm going to send you this. And he goes, you're not going to back out on me, are you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to back out. He was like, all right. He was like, what's your shoe size? <laughs> what, size what size PT gear do you, do you need? And I was just like, I told him. And that was it. I mean, that was just like, bam, the orders were there. I had to, you know, I went, to, uh, where did I go? I went over oh, um, Beaumont, I think, in South Carolina and to a Marine base and got my flight to school updated and boom, I was off to school. And done. Yeah. <laughs> I got my good conduct in like my second week of school. Oh my. <laughs> Holy smoke. So good conduct off the top of my head is every three right. years, right? Right. So every three years in the Coast Guard, as long as you have a clean record, uh, you will get a good conduct medal. So the fact that you got your good conduct in school just shows that, oh, look, I've been in the Guard for three years. and now For three years. Yeah. I mean, I was oh. still not a petty officer yet. I was still, you know, I was still, I was still grinding that. Like I said, it was the second week, second, third week of school. I remember they pulled me into the office and it was like, I didn't know what I had done. And they were like, hey, we just didn't want to embarrass you in front of everybody here. Here's your medal. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. thank yeah, you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, good job being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah good job in not getting caught. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> that's what, probably a better statement to say. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. There was that one time and no, we don't talk about that. We don't yeah. talk about that. <laughs> It was more than one time. So, so. Oh, God, I love it. Hilarious. All right, so now you make it through A school. Uh, we already know you go down to Houston as your first unit. So right. let's do a little recap on your very first uh, kind of case, kind of yeah. kind of like qualification-ish area. What do you got? So, so like I said, uh, you know, in, in the podcast and memorizing Fernando, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm still boot, right? You get out of school, you're not qualified. You know, I hadn't gone through ENT research yet, you know, so I, I'm really useless in a lot of ways to the shop, you know? Um, so Fernando was going out on a night flight, uh, to do some swimmer work. And they were like, get your gear ready. You're going out with Fernando tonight. Right. So I'm like, great. I'm going to get to do something. You know, this, this thing that I've been like all the way back in Columbus, Ohio, that I've been dreaming of, I'm actually going to get to go do. So, you know, nighttime comes around, you know, we're, you know, we go through all the briefing and all that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. We're out flying. And, uh, and like, no lie, like two minutes into the flight, we get a flare sighting, you know, uh, the group calls up and says, Hey, we've got this flare sighting. We need you to go check it out. Fernando is just like hugely stoked. Right. I mean, he is just, just, just like fanboy in it. Right. You know, it's just like yeah. off the chain. Right. You know, kind of thing. And, um, he's, you know, so he's getting, you know, he's getting his fins on, you know, he's getting everything together, you know, and I'm just kind of like, whoa, hold on a second. Maybe this is different from what I had experienced in the boat world, right? You know, because flare sightings meant hours of nothing, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, what do I do? You know, kind of thing. So he's handing me the MVGs and we're getting everything all set up. And uh, it, it turned out to be a nothing burger. <laughs> but I mean, but Fernando was was stoked all the way through. Um, and and it first really case. just... You know, it taught me that I could have passion for this job 
and not be ashamed of it, you know? Yeah. Um, whether it was just a flare sighting or whether it was, you know, something huge, you know, it, it didn't matter. You know, you could be stoked about being able to go and do your job, you know, and that was the first time I think I've ever really experienced that. Yeah. You know? That's pretty see awesome. Somebody. So that, that was, that was, a, it was amazing. I, I tried to carry that through my career because of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Something that, you know, yeah. I mean, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, while you're in Houston, yeah. all right, so right after your flare sighting with Fernando, which just oh. hilarious to me, I absolutely love it. Right. Um, you ended up getting an award because you ended up flying on a case uh, down there in the year 2000. So right. um, I'm going to, I'm going to get into this. I'm just going to do the read okay. or the, the reading yeah. of the award. And then, and you got to give us a rundown about it. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. Citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard Achievement Medal to Edwin L. Hanna, Aviation Survival Technician, Second Class, United States Coast Guard. Pay Officer Hanna is cited for superior performance of duty while serving as rescue swimmer aboard H-65 6523 on 18 November 2000. While responding to a medical evacuation of an injured worker from a mobile oil production platform, the Coast Guard helicopter was diverted to a mayday from the marine vessel Fritzy K, taken on water rapidly with six people aboard. While flying 140 miles to scene through thunderstorms, low ceilings, and heavy rain, communications with the vessel were lost. When the Hilo crew could not locate the Fritzy K, Petty Officer Hannah helped search, the, helped search for the missing vessel and crew. With visibility less than one quarter of a mile, the crew found four people in the water among debris fields scattered over the wide area. With wind gusting at 45 knots and heavy rains, Pastor Hannah immediately volunteered to deploy into the 55-degree water and 12-foot seas to recover the survivors. Knowing the aircraft was critically short on fuel, Pastor Hannah quickly prepared the first survivor for hoisting while the hero recovered the second. Pastor Hannah was then hoisted aboard the helo where he began treating the survivor for shock and hypothermia while two more survivors were hoisted. He provided critical expert care, keeping them alive while the helo delivered the patient safely to the University of Texas Medical Branch, also known as UTMB, in Galveston, Texas. His professional efforts saved five lives. Pastor Hannon's diligence, perseverance, and devotion and duty are most heartily commending in keeping in the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Dude, that is freaking sick. I love these write-ups so much. It's ridiculous. Like, I really do, man. <laughs> All right, so you get you guys are going out for a basically uh, a medevac off a platform, and you get diverted to this. Mm -hmm. You on comms at the time to hear it or what? Yes, yes. So, I mean, I remember walking into duty that day. Uh, it was Saturday morning. Or it was Saturday, Sunday morning. I can't remember, but it was a weekend morning. You know, so you're shifting out crews and everything. And I'm like going, dude, today is a good star day because it was really was it was nasty out. The weather was absolutely nasty. I was like, I can feel it. It's going to be a good star day. Right. It's so and, messed up. That's how we think. But I, love I know. It. Right. You know, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was like, it's going to be a good star day. So I'm like, OK, so 
a no lie, like as soon as the gear was checked, did our brief, boom, SAR alarm goes off, right? So I'm like, whoop, there it is. My replacement hasn't even, you know, my who I'm uh, recovering hasn't even left yet, you know? So he's there, you know, he's like, all right, go get it in, you know, kind of thing. So I'm going out to the helicopter and we're out and it's a medevac, you know, <clears throat> again, medevacs in Houston were kind of like flare sightings, you know? Uh, they would tell you that, you know, the guy's missing an arm and you get there and he's missing the tip of his finger kind of thing, right? You know, like going, I came all the way out here for this. I used to joke that I was going to put nubs on the side of my helmet for all the times that that had happened. You know, I was told that it was a missing limb and it was nothing. Um, it was something small. I won't say it's nothing. Um, but uh, so we're on our way out to this. And, uh, you know, we're, we're probably halfway there to this oil rig. And, you know, we hear the distress call. And then, you know, obviously we're going and, you know, we get diverted to this distress call and we um, get on scene and there's absolutely nothing. It's just debris all over the place. And, uh, and you can tell the waves, you know, in, you know, and in, um, in the Gulf of Mexico, you know, the waves obviously rarely get 20 feet or anything like that. But you could tell they were pretty big that day you know, big caps on top of them, you know, white caps on top. Um, so, you know, you're just looking and the first thing we see um, that I remember seeing is like this, there's this guy and he's laying on top of, you know, like the, the five inch Hauser lines, right? And it's floating on top and he's laying on top of that. And He's like waving at us. So I remember seeing him. I don't remember seeing the other guys. I don't know where they were. Um, so they, you know, we pull into the hover, you know, and drop me down into it. I didn't free fall because of the debris in the water. Yeah. Uh, they lowered me down. I swim over to the guy. And I'm like, I'm not wanting to climb up on top of this mess, right? Because I don't want to get entangled. And I'm like, come over here to me, like thing, right? He's like, I can't, I've tied myself off. <laughs> and so I'm like going, oh, great. So I'm like immediately going, and see, I'm, I'm a pretty new swimmer, right? So I don't have a whole lot of SAR cases under my belt. I've never done a disentanglement in real life yet. You know, the only thing I did was in the pool, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like going, oh, so this is why they teach it, right? <laughs> kind of thing, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I come back around, you know, I get behind and he has got he had taken some smaller line and he had tied himself up. I mean, I, I don't know how he had gotten himself so wrapped up into this, right? He was so tangled. I was not getting it off. I could not get him clear. So I actually had to take out my knife, right? I was like going, I was like thinking, is this even, you know, am I, am I even allowed to do this? You know, it was like this, you know, like being all careful and everything. I don't want to cut him, right? All that kind of stuff. So I'm like getting it off. I had to have, had to hand it to him a couple times for him to get some stuff cleared off of him. Finally, get it all done. Get my knife stowed back away. I get him free and clear. I make sure he's all clear and everything. And, you know, help, you know, signal for the helo to come back in. They drop the basket, throw them in the basket, give the, the brief and everything, you know, off he, off he goes. Um, so, and like, you know, so now I'm a little disoriented because I've been all over the place and I'm not quite sure which direction the other survivors were. 
And so I'm like, I pick up, you know, I do the the signal for, you know, come up Videos. on the radio and I yeah, pick yeah. up my radio and I pull yeah. it out of the water, you know, and this was back when there was the, the gray FM radio. Oh, I don't oh, remember. Oh, oh. oh yeah. The thing that did, I don't hold the battery the charge it. for more than like 20 yeah. minutes. And I'm that might it, be, right? I might be exaggerating with that, but it wasn't, right. I'm not far off. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and, you know, and, so we had just replaced the PRC 90s with this little gray FM radio. Yeah. I'm pulling it up and I'm trying to call them, you know, and I'm like looking, you know, and the mech is just sitting there looking at me at the door and not giving any signals back. And I'm like going, where are they at? You know, are they this way, that, that way, you know, you know, two, three, you know, rescue swimmer, you know, kind of thing. And nothing. They just fly off. And I'm like, you're, going, you're in the water. I'm still in the water. Still they just the water. left you. They just left me. They just oh. fly off. And I see okay. them fly off about a thousand meters. And then they pull back into a hover. And I'm like going, well, obviously that's where they are. But I can't see squat because every time they get to the top of the wave, it was just still too far away for me to see anything. So I'm like swimming that way, right? Trying to make my way over to it, like going, maybe this is what well i'm a swimmer this is what i'm gonna have to do right kind of thing so <laughs> this is my first water rescue okay a serious water rescue and with multiple survivors so i'm like swimming a thousand meters you know by the time i get there obviously they picked everybody up you know and um so i'm just like sitting there going okay well, i guess i'm ready for pickup you know kind of thing and uh they dropped the basket or they dropped the hook down to me i'm hooking up and i'm like going well this is not at all the way i thought it was going to go right it was just like not at all you know i was stoked about picking up multiple people doing this whole thing in big waves you know the whole thing right and it was just not at all how I had pictured it in my head. Even my worst case scenario was not even like this, right? So they pick me up. I'm going up. The Met spins me around, you know, to bring me into the door, right? And I look down and there is this National Geographic sized school of hammerhead sharks. Oh, what? I mean, right where I was. That I was just like going, they had been underneath me and I had no clue. Probably a good no thing clue. you didn't know. Holy I was shit. like, oh my gosh. I'm like scooting back into the back, you know, get working my way back, you know. And I'm like looking out the window. I don't even care about the survivors right now. I'm just like looking out the window going, yep, that's what that's what's out there, you know. A whole freaking just I too, too many to count. I mean, it was just huge. Absolutely huge. I was just like going, oh, okay. Well, that just happened. And this is crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <sighs> so we flew those guys to shore, dropped them off, you know, to an ambulance, went back out to the oil rig, um, picked up, you know, my nub, you know, and... <laughs> Still soaking wet. <laughs> and dropped them off to Galveston at, at the trauma center there and, uh, and and then made it back, you know, to uh, and I, I want to say we were probably if we weren't bagged out, I don't remember. We were really close to it. 
And, uh, but no, that was my first case. Um, and I was just like, I, I didn't know my first really big case, you know, yeah. and I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I was just like, this is not at all from the stories you hear from everybody else, you know, went down, <laughs> you know, Mario Vatone's got a baby in one hand, you know, kind of thing. Right. You know, and I'm just like going, this is not, you know, I was just like, uh, I was just like, wow. Okay. So that was just, uh, like I said, I was, I'm still confused to this day on some of what happened and why it happened, but uh, you just left yeah. me to spin a thousand meters, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, totally see that you're sitting in the water, like, where are you going, dude? You know, uh, you could have set the hook down. You could have taken me with you. You know that, right? It's like, yeah, you could have just dropped a hook, and I would have gone over with yeah. you. I mean, it was just like keep me what, at water level. You don't even have to bring me all the way up. Just bring me with you. I was like, I don't even. I, like I said, I was just, I was. I was flabbergasted. I was just like, I don't know what was going through their heads. I really don't know what. I would love oh to gosh. have had the black box conversation of what was happening inside <laughs> you know, the cockpit on that one. Um, oh, man, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, in Houston, that was really common, though. You wouldn't know what conversation they were having. And they would just go and land on an oil rig. And you'd be working like a like one time I was working um, uh, uh, a, a vessel sinking, uh, taking on water. Yeah. And I've got two pumps. I'm running back and forth. It's 110 degrees out, you know, and I'm in a wetsuit. I'm running back and forth. And they're sitting in air conditioning, eating shrimp at a you know, and just monitoring the radio while I'm working my butt off, you know, kind of thing. And then what did they bring me afterwards? Not a bowl of shrimp at a but a freaking... Dr. Pepper and a Snickers, right? Is what they give me, right? Uh, you've been working hard down there. Here, have a Snickers. You're probably hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, when, when the commercials come on, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's the grumpy. Angry. Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly what I was. And I don't think the Snicker bars helped, right? So, so. They, they didn't realize you're like turning into the Hulk right there, is what happened. They didn't understand. It's gonna take a little bit so, of the Snickers. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, no. And I had a I had a patient in the back on this one. And remember the Finnish brother last week was talking about how you know they did the nose dive thing, did this to me, and I didn't know what was happening because I wasn't connected to ICS yet. And I'm okay. taking care of the patient. They take off, and he nose dives, and all I see is water. I thought we were crashing, holy and I was just like, "Holy cow!" And then of course you know pull up and take off, and I'm just like going what the heck was that you know like oh sorry ed you know like yeah, yeah. thanks for the warning you know like my my patient's eyes went kind of thing because you could see it too you know and it was like gosh but anyways that's a whole other star uh, star case but <laughs> yeah, you, did you pick him up off a, a vessel or a, a yeah i picked him up off the vessel the vessel yeah. that was taken on water i had picked him up off of there because yeah collided with another vessel and so there you know the injury in the middle of the night you know the crash in the middle of the night they people got banged up so um yeah it was that was a hairy that was a just crazy case too but anyway I, 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 hold on let me check my clock oh look we have time <laughs> go ahead come on man that was pretty much it i mean it was like well, it's said, colliding. You know, we, people got hurt you got to hoist it out 
horse down, picked up a couple guys, went back, dewatered the, you know, helped set up pumps to dewater the pump, you know, the, the ship. Um, and, you know, all the, all the while, you know, my 65 sitting on top of an oil rig, just minor turning the radios while they're sitting in the air conditioning. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. You doing all right down there? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I can oh, remember man. I was so hot that I jumped into the boiling, you know, uh, golf water, just thinking that it would cool me off. And it was just like, it was nothing. It was nothing. There was you, no, you no almost relief. would have been better to take that trusty knife and cut off the whole top part of the wetsuit just left on like, like almost speedo wetsuit. <laughs> oh, it, my if goodness. I wasn't such a rule follower, I would have totally done that. You know, <laughs> I totally would have done that. I was just, oh, I'm, I'm by the rule. I was by the book, you know, um, to, to, to fault into, you know, to, to my saving grace a lot of times. So. <laughs> and that is awesome. Holy yeah. God. It's funny. All right, dude. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what, do you, you got any more from uh, Houston to stand out or do you want me to move on to your next uh, little award? Uh, and I shouldn't uh, say little. I think the Allison, Allison was in Houston as well. So. Okay. And that was 2000, 2001. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just before, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, this is just before 9-11. Okay. Um, so you had, well, this, this award right here that you have is for Katrina. Oh, okay. Then so Katrina. Okay. Yeah. So that was my third big one there. So, um, and so you were was, still in uh, Houston at the time and got deployed over there or? No, no, no. I was actually at the A school. I was an instructor. Oh, nice. Okay. So I left, I left, I left Houston one tour and went to the A school as an instructor. Um, so I, I mean, I flew 800 plus hours at Houston, um, you know, in one tour. Wow. Yeah, we were, we were. That place would, I mean, then was just like, it was just sorry. And we used to kid how it slowed down after 9-11. I stood duty on 9-11. Um, remember watching the towers go down, right? I'm yeah. at home yeah. and calling up going, do I need to come in? <laughs> they were like, yeah, you probably should get yourself in now before we shut the base down. I was like, got it, you know, so um, I used to watch my oldest son at home during the day on my duty days, you know, yeah. so that way we didn't have to pay for babysitter. But I was like, walked him down to our babysitter and said, here, kind of thing. And I gotta go. I gotta go. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, uh, we, that 9-11 was, was creepy. Um, for anybody who, you know, remembers that, like, Ellington Field, like I said before, well. was like, you know, you got Air Force next door, you know, you've got, you know, just, you know, NASA, you've got, there's always planes going off, you know, the X6, F-16s, they were always hitting their afterburners as soon as they got to our hangar doors, you know, I mean, it was just <laughs> like, you know. Hey, Ghost um, God, check this out. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thanks, Air Force. So, I mean. Yeah, it was just, but it was so silent. And I mean, in Houston, you know, you've got two major airports in Houston too. So there's always planes in the sky. Yeah. Um, 
and I remember it was like a crystal clear night and there was nothing. And we get called off on a freaking star case. And we're talking to freaking NORAD going, don't shoot us down, you know, kind of thing. Wow. Because we're heading out and they're going, okay, put this in your transponder. They gave a specific code for us to put in the transponder and said, this is your code. You use that, you know, kind wow. of thing. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was, so we're, I was just like going, okay, well, here it goes, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Jeez. Um, like we could be shut down, you know, something because the, nobody was supposed to be flying and we yeah. went flying at night. And, you know, thank goodness. I think we had an F-16 escort us back in that night. I know that no. happened a couple of times what? in Houston where we had an F-16s escort us back in after 9-11. Um, or sometimes a, a, a Black Hawk would come out of nowhere. Would come out wow. of nowhere and just like, boom, right beside it would go, hey guys, <laughs> sir, uh, we've got um, what looks like a 60 on our, on our side here. <laughs> Like, yeah, we, we, we've, we've seen them. I'm like, okay, just let me know. Wow. Wow. Ooh. That's a, that's wild. Yeah. That was so, so interesting enough during 9-11, I was in Alaska with that and we get put on standby for a couple of things too while I was there. And right. It was, you know, that, that was, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting time for a lot yeah. of us. So, yeah. But, no, it know. was, it was weird being all of a sudden being called into briefings for, you know, highly confidential or secret information, you know, yeah. about what were th credible threats and this is what you're going to be flying on. And it's like our mission, just, it, you know, Homeland Security was always kind of there, but it just took on, just, just jumped, you know? Yeah. And we were so involved with it from that point on. Um, but yeah, no, it was, that, that was, that was my 9-11 thing. So, but yeah. Wild, wild. So while you were there, uh, and, and when Rita came through, that was the next year, the same year, 2001, same? No, no, Allison actually Oh, Allison, was, that's right, because Rita was Allison after... was a tropical storm. Yeah, okay. Um, so we were celebrating our anniversary early. I remember this. We're celebrating our anniversary early, and I remember driving home that night from downtown Houston. You know, we went to Benihana's, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we were doing it upright. And I could see the, you know, the cloud formations of the tropical storm rolling in Yeah. and being called that night and my wife being so mad that <laughs> this is our anniversary. What, our where anniversary. are you going? You know, this is like, why are you always getting called in? You know, kind of thing. You know? Honey, like, see, you it's know. not just me. Okay. I just, uh, for all the wives out there, it's not just them. It's don't worry. It's okay. It's normal. Yeah. That, and, and that's why I, I so appreciate military spouses because they just don't, it's just, it's hard to explain. You know, you, you come in and you, they have an idea that, oh, once we get married, we're going to be together and he's going to be able to take time off. And, you know, and that's going to, because I had vacations canceled, you know, I had, you know, you uh -huh. get called in on weekends all the time you know kind of thing it was you know that's just the kind of the life of duty life you know when you're when when the other crew bags out they got to have somebody else there you know and yep. uh just depending on where you were at or whether or not you had drank that night or not you know, whether <laughs> totally. or not you know you're, you're yeah whether or not you're the person who is on that on that list you know so uh 
so yeah, no, it, I felt bad for her, but I mean, she, I remember her being so upset and they were like, okay. It, and you know, Allison just dumped like 40 inches of rain, like hour after hour. And, um, and it flooded all downtown. Um, they were like, you know, I, like four or five o'clock in the morning they were like, okay, see if you can make it in. And I made it in and got there like right at daybreak and they had already started launching helos at that point in time. I remember seeing some guys from Corpus Christi there. I mean, this was like the first big major, you know, where other units were showing up to support us. Yeah. You know, wow. There, you know, there was C-130 sitting there on, you know, it's like, you know, you don't see C-130s at a 65 unit, you know, kind of thing. So it was just <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So it was just all of these, you know, this, this activity. And I remember Dyer going, okay, get geared up, you know, I'm going to get you some pilots. And that, that's, that was pretty much it. Um, wow. I got, um, I remember, you know, my first one was a, uh, uh, I, a girl, maybe 13, 14, um, it, she probably had, was having her period, but she was scared to death. And, and she was just, they were just trembling, you know, because there was no, no electricity in the building. It was just this apartment building and it was like three flights of stairs up. So I carried her all the way down out into the parking lot, got her into the basket, got her up, got her to the hospital, came back to the same location. There was a paraplegic girl um what? who who i mean and you still standing water inside the homes right um and and mom is just like i was like because she was on a ventilator she required a ventilator all day 24 hours a day and they didn't have power and i was like do you got a battery for this ventilator she goes yeah. i've got one spare i said give that battery to me she gave me that battery. We bagged her all the way up until the moment that, you know, I connected it. I had, had some guys pull out a truck for me um, so I could use that as a platform to hoist her out of because I didn't want to put her in the water and got her off the, the top of this truck that we had pushed out. And I connected that battery at last moment, you know, and she was able to breathe, you know, on the way up and until I got back in there to monitor her. Um, and so, you know, just things like that, you know, um, that's where I had my grandma case. Um, she, uh, they, you know, you're, this is, you know, before, you know, real sophisticated stuff, you know, like iPhones and all this kind of thing. Right. You know, so right, right. we've got, you know, the old map <laughs> of the cities, right. You know, and the, the streets and all that stuff. And we got this in the back going, you know, cause we're getting addresses and we're like looking it up, you know, and yeah. going, okay, so here's the landmarks and here's the kind of the Latin log and where we need to be. And that's where we fly to. And then we're like following the streets to the address. And so we're like low, just above the, the telephone wires, you know, just like looking for, you know, like where this address is. And so they lowered, we found this, this house, they lower me down. And remember to this day, there was a crocodile like right over there. Right. And there were swarms of ants, fire ants. They were just like crawling on each other to stay out of the water as they're just floating along. So I'm like trying to stay away from the fire ants, trying to stay away from the croc, you know, so I'm swim over to this house. Right. I get up and her house was a little higher up. There had been, you could see the water line. It had been all the way up into the second floor that night. Wow. And they had actually spent the night in the attic. 
and it smelled so bad. There was sewage, there was everything everywhere, right? Oh. And I remember, and I'm like, her son, her son had called and said, please go get my mom, you know? So, you know, she's elderly. She, you know, she has all these health conditions, you know, it was, it was really a bad condition and she refused to go with me. I could not convince her to get in a helicopter. She said, I'm going to have a heart attack if I go in there. I was like, you're going to die if you stay here, you know, kind of thing. And she just would not leave. Um, I still like my nightmares to this day of her not going, you know, um, you know, having to leave her there, um, just because I, you know, tried, I think we tried to get, you know, as the water was receding, you know, I think we were trying to get some other crews in. I think that may have been one of the houses that we tried to get crews into, but you know, it's like all the times you go and do things and you have no idea how the story ends. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, more often than not, especially more more often, like what yeah. we do. Yeah. My last case of that day was the, um, there was a chemical plant or some kind of plant, you know, they're all over the place there in Houston, it exploded. And I went and picked up a burn victim there and he had been burned basically his entire backside. Wow. Um, and he was, oh, he was, he was, he, he was ambulatory, he could talk, but he was in so much pain. Um, and we took him, then Galveston has a Shriners burn unit. So we flew him all the way to Galveston. And uh, he was the only person who has ever come back and said, thank you. Wow. A year later, when we did the award ceremony for that, he was the only person who come back and said, thanks. I appreciate it. He brought his little girl with him even, you know. Wow. Um, Oh, that's so cool. You know, and I was just like, okay, you know, kind of thing. You know, I used to love it when I would get calls back from, you know, like, uh, um, the emergency department going, thank you. You just saved that guy's life. You know, like, Oh, that is, that's thank awesome. you. Yeah. yeah. Cause I never would have known otherwise, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah, I would try to call up and then we're like, sorry, we can't give you the information because of HIPAA, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, which is, you know, what's interesting about that statement right there is that, um, once I got out of the Coast Guard, I started working with some of the other medics uh, a little more closely, we mm-hmm. would call up quite often to find out the outcome and and the hospital like you give them the detailed information of like here's what it was here was the patient's name mm-hmm, here's this mm-hmm. like we already had all that information they're like oh, right yeah right. then they give us the medical like right here's where they're at medically you know nothing further than that but you know it was it was kind of cool so anybody out there that's, that's looking at doing that you can call up the hospital and you can as long as you have the patient information and you know your first line of mm-hmm. care they yeah hey, the, you most of them are pretty good at giving you the second like hey yeah. this is where they're at so right I, yeah i remember back in the day i mean it was so load and go you know right right um, you know if you didn't get identification you know if they weren't handing you identification when you were yeah. you know on the oil rig or on the, the platform or you know the the cruise ships or wherever you know yeah. you know and if they weren't ambulatory or weren't coherent you know they you know, they weren't talking to you. You, you wouldn't know what their name was, you know? Right. right. Um, so the other thing I think is kind of funny is, and I never did this as a Coast Guard. This is my bad, I, I, I guess. I'm not really sure. I don't kind of even remember being taught this too much was the um, patient pass down is given the brief to the hospital. Like, 
10 minutes in route, hey, call the hospital up and give them, this is what we're coming in with. I would just mm -hmm. land and be like, hey, here's the patient, here's the vitals, here's what I had. And they'd be like, what the, what is wrong with you guys? You know, I remember yeah. going to the hospital yeah. one time and they're like, yeah, when the Coast Guard shows up, we never know what we're going to get. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, come on, man. Yeah, I should no, that, that really, I didn't know. <laughs> you're right. It's not, it's not taught. I know the pilots would do it sometimes. But in the 65, you really don't have communication to talk on the radios unless you right. swap out the mech. At least you, you didn't. I mean, it's been yeah. a long time since I've flown in 65. But that was the nice thing about being in 60. I could communicate yeah. with with the hospital on the way in. Um, Which, yeah, I never that, did. Sorry. Sorry out of all my hospitals. I, I didn't do that to you. I just uh, land. Hey, here's your guy. Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> if it helped. Because, I mean, I can tell you when I was in on a station in Elizabeth City, I was skipping a little ahead. I, I had a girl that was circling a drain. Um, picked her off a cruise ship. They, they had no idea what was wrong with her. They sent me a flight nurse or, or a nurse to come with me. I get her in the helicopter. The nurse is crying and oh, won't geez. do anything. So now I've got two patients. I've got a person who's dying, you know, that's like 10 years old. And I've got an adult here that's just incapacitated because of emotions right so i'm just like great you know i'm like i'm like looking at the nurse like what do you have in your bag that we can give her to help her right i mean just everything's dropping blood pressure's dropping you know oh she's just gosh. respirations are dropping so i'm just bagging you know i'm doing everything i can to keep this good little girl alive and i won't say the name of the hospital okay uh, but, good call. <laughs> right we we drop off usually you know they, they've got people out waiting for me you know and we had radioed ahead saying hey this is what we got this is what's going on they should have had somebody there i get her you know find a find a gurney throw the stretch you know throw the litter on there and we'll uh, have to roll down from the rain uh, from the helipad down into the er and I get in there and there's just a security guard sitting around this like circular, you know, thing and all the beds are in this like, yeah. um, like oval or, you know, circular shape. And I'm like going, where's the doc? Where's the nurse? You know, he's like looking at me like, what do you want? I'm like, what? Like, get me a doctor, get me a nurse now, you know, kind of thing. And he's like, oh, they'll be up here in a minute. I was like, I don't got a minute. You know, this girl's dying. Get me a doctor. Get me a nurse now. You know, kind of thing. I basically had to start screaming. I started walking around to all the different little curtains and swinging them open, going, Is there a doctor nurse in here? I was like, I was walking all around. And finally, like, of course, then all the security guards coming out of the woodwork, and like, What? Or you need you a doctor or a nurse. If you're not, get out of my way. Get me a doctor and a nurse, kind of thing. Um, so uh, finally, one showed up and uh, again, I have no idea what happened with that case. I was, I doubt that they probably would have told me if I would have called. <laughs> but, so, um, yeah, that one, they might have, they might have told that, you much. Right. You know, but generally speaking, you know, when I landed at the, landed at the ERs, you know, I had somebody out there waiting for me, you know, but this one hospital there, um, and I won't say where it was at either. So, but, um, this one hospital that I that I went to a few times, it was notorious for just being very slow reactive, very slow reaction. That's so. Bad.
Yeah. Coming in hot too. Coming in hot. Yeah. I mean, you're coming in hot, you know? And so, but anyways. Um, anyway. Cool, so man. Katrina, Katrina. Katrina. Don't go too far because here we go. Let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm all about this because it, it's a, it's pretty nice. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was not down in Katrina, but there was probably half the rescue swimmers in the Coast Guard that were down there. And boom, yeah. this one is for you. Citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard Achievement Medal, Gold Star in lieu of second to Edwin L. Hanna, Aviation Survival Technician, second class, United States Coast Guard. Pastor Hanna is cited for superior performance of duty while serving as rescue swimmer from 05 September 2005 to 09 September 2005 while deployed to the Gulf Coast for Hurricane Katrina response. On August 29th at 0610, Hurricane Katrina made landfall for the second time with winds over 140 miles per hour. Katrina proved to be one of the most devastating natural disasters to hit the central Gulf Coast in recorded history. Within 24 hours, the New Orleans system's levees broke, rendering thousands of civilians and hundreds of Coast Guard personnel homeless. As Coast Guard evacuated its historic emergency response, Petty Officer Hannah joined deployed helicopter crewmen and support personnel from across the United States. Over the course of three days, Petty Officer Hannah completed multiple hoists, resulting in three lives saved. The first night, he coordinated the difficult hoist of a severe arthritis victim from the upper balcony of the apartment complex. Demonstrating superior leadership, he organized a team of people on scene to gently move the victim to a safe hoisting area. Next, Pedestrian Hannah skillfully guided the basket from the balcony with the trail line to ensure the safe passage through the obstacles and debris. The following night, after noticing flashing lights on the ground, the aircraft landed in a nearby road and Pedersen Hanner waded through the flooded streets to assess the situation. Finding a man suffering from heart failure, he adaptively performed emergency medical care, started oxygen, and quickly loaded the patient into the aircraft. Monitoring the patient's weak vitals while en route to the hospital, Pedersen Hanner provided a clear and concise brief to the awaiting medical personnel. Pedersen Hanna's diligence, perseverance, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Come on, Ed. I know it was freaking wild, so how did that turn out? Because you, you were at A school when you got called down, right? I was an A school instructor. Technically, I was not qualified as a helicopter rescue swimmer you know when a hurricane like that hits technically you just do what you got to do to get the job <laughs> do, done right? and that's right. what like, we did I'm, I'm training guys to do this so i figured you know it was like kind of you know grandfathered in you know right? so <laughs> you know it's funny when when i was talking to harry knight about it in you know navy guys they're training guys how to use a quick drop as they're going in to use the quick drop i'm like <laughs> and then you gotta go back and get qualified on it what right yeah yeah don't worry you were qualified yeah check. yeah yeah check <laughs> yeah so, um i i was i was pt in a group of students right i was pt in a class um and we were on our run running back to the schoolhouse and so we were in, ending up our run and i remember rob mcclure come driving up going they want you in the office ed you're going to katrina so I was like, all right, 
double time and we started sprinting you know the entire class we start sprinting you know it was like maybe a quarter mile you know it wasn't that much you know and back when i could do those things and (laughs) (laughs) so i come hopping into the office and in the office is there and another petty officer was like going no he doesn't need to go because they're only going to have 60s there and he's not qualified in a 60 so he and somebody else got to go first that first week and then, so I was like, oh, okay, well, no big deal. You know, I'll, you know, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm with my family. I'm good. You know, I'm PT in the class, you know, yeah. I'm doing, doing things that I love. Um, Cause I wasn't really, you know, thinking like how big monumental Katrina would become. Right. 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 So I remember I got the call on, on Saturday saying, pack your bags. You're going out first thing tomorrow morning. So uh, PJ Ornott and I, uh, we, he just retired senior chief or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we went out and uh, we flew into Mobile that first day and they were like, okay, you're, you're, you got time on you. We can't do anything with you. You're, you're deadheaded. So go get a night's rest. And we're like, what the heck? So we went and ate at a restaurant, you know, um, went and slept and they were, there was like, uh, we were supposed to, uh, rendezvous, rendezvous at like 6 a.m. There were 600 in the morning um, back at, at the base there at ATC. And um, we hopped another, no, we hopped a Falcon over to New Orleans. And um, the the Navy brother that you were talking to, I remember he said how bad it stank. And yeah. it, no, no lie, we were still like 5,000 feet in the air. And you could, you, you you, we hadn't even hit the city yet and you could smell it. You could wow. just smell it. And, um, and I was just like, what the heck is that, man? And I remember, you know, from the time we landed, it was just that smell and noise, you know, it was just like, just the, like, there was no, it was like a helicopter would come in and either they would hot refuel and go back out, switch out, change out crews and go back out, or it was just like a sh- shut down and another one was starting up and going off. I mean, it was just this, this constant movement of, of helicopters, uh, everything just at the, at the New Orleans base there, the Coast Guard base. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear guys describe how it was just a symphony of helicopters just going up and down kind of thing, right? Um, and... Uh, and that is no, no lie. That's exact. I mean, we got probably almost ran over two times. I remember two times distinctly where a Blackhawk would come in so hot. I mean, they were literally, we were like in front of us and we were just like buffeting, you know, out in the way that was that close. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, FAA would have had a conniption if it had been some other time, you know, um, yeah. right? I mean, somebody would have lost a piloting license, you know, for sure. But I mean, it was just so much going on, you know, um, yeah. there's so many people everywhere. Um, that case that's mentioned, um, it was actually there were Army Rangers there and they were in boats going from home to home clearing homes and they had found this guy he wasn't arthritic he was freaking dehydrated 
to the oh. point to where he couldn't he he was circling the drain he was wow. dying yeah um i don't know what medical condition he had otherwise but he was an elderly gentleman who was severely dehydrated at the at the least what was happening um, and they had pulled him out of the attic and i mean there was just this little tiny spot i mean it was probably an eight by eight you know little little patio on the top of this house that's what we were hoisting, hoisting from and there was trees and wires and you know everything that you would have in a city right yeah so um so they put me down um you know and of course you know the rangers were awesome you know they helped me get them all packaged up and everything and then you know of course you know coming back in and getting him out without getting him all tangled up and everything um and getting him to you know getting him to the hospital um one of the what i remember distinctly one of the <clears throat> flights actually went to the new orleans hospital to drop off the patient because he was so critically ill and i don't know if i don't remember if it was this one or not um <clears throat> but there was no of course there was nobody on on deck when we landed because i mean this is like a multi-story hospital that goes straight up right oh yeah and so yeah. helo pads on the top you i know, remember them like, well actually yeah i've been yeah. to a couple of them <laughs> yeah right so it's like floor 30 or 50 or whatever it is right you're at the very top and you can see everything around you and so there was nobody so they kept the healer running uh, with a patient inside and I'm going into this dark, you know, hotel or the, not hotel. There was another hotel that I did, but the hospital and going down and just going down flights of stairs until I saw a light and I just go busting into this room and they're performing an operation. They're performing an operation. Oh, geez. And I'm like, oh, hey. I'm in the Coast Guard. I got a helicopter up there. It's running out of gas. And I got a patient that I was told to drop off to you guys. The doctor oh looks at gosh. a couple of nurses or orderlies and said, go help him, you know. And so they went back <laughs> up and they, you know, and they got they what? got him and took him down the elevator, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so I, seriously, I mean, that was just kind of the things that were happening, you know, in New Orleans. You know, it was just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, the guy where we were flagged down, he actually had a pacemaker and he couldn't lay down. Every time he went to lay down, it would shut off and his heart would stop. Oh, so oh. I had to keep him elevated in a seated position the entire time in order for his pacemaker not to shut off. Oh, jeez, um, oh man. Right, you know, and it was still sketchy. It was still just kind of like, you know, the, you know, his heart you know, heart rate would just like be barely and they would go, you know, and then get a rhythm and then it would kind of like, you know, and he's still sitting there talking to you, you know, kind of thing. So I'm not a paramedic. I don't know how all the rhythms, you know, but I know that there are some that where, you know, you're like basically almost dead, but yet you're still, you know, coherent. And I was just like going, wow, you know, this is back, you know, when we had the AEDs and all that, you know, yeah. we hook up and you just see the rhythms on it. So, <clears throat> Yeah, no, I remember that one very distinctly. Um, but this is my funny story of Katrina. Okay, I love it. And I'm going to I'm going to be politically correct as much as I can. Okay, love it. all right, love it. Okay. So this is like one of my last ones. Okay, there. I mean, 
I mean, I probably had five or six rescues during that week, you know? And I mean, normally that would have been like a phenomenal week, right? But, you know, because it was Katrina, it was just small numbers, right? (laughs) And um, so we get this call that there's a family that had been stranded and had been out without food or water for, you know, for a long period of time and needed to be evacuated. So we're, again, you know, we're flying with, you know, like the, the maps, you know, kind of like trying to find where this house is and uh, doing tree line searches and the whole thing. And uh, we, we get to the location and remember as we're kind of, we're kind of, we circle around it, you know, and we're like getting the, the scope of the, of the lay of the, the property. And I remember seeing all these women's shoes lined, lined the driveway. I mean, like, like just tons of women's shoes and dresses and women's clothes out laying out to dry, like on the clotheslines and just everywhere. And just tons and tons of, well, I won't say tons, but like, like five, six, seven, eight bags, you know, like travel bags, luggage. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I'm like going, holy crap, this is a big family, you know, I'm like thinking, okay, right. So I'm like, we brief it, they, they sling me down, you know, I get off and, <clears throat> and I see this guy, he's really tall. He's like, I'm pretty short. I'm only like five, eight. Okay. So everybody's taller than me. All right. But I mean, he was a big guy, right? He's like, he was at least six, one, between six, one and six, four and just shoulders like this wide, right? Just a big, big guy. Right. Um, blonde hair receding okay this is what i remember him all right um and he's running back and forth and he's grabbing the bags and he's packing things up and i'm like i stop him i'm like sir where's everybody else at you know because i'm gonna start you know if he's packing things fine you know i'm gonna start gathering people and getting them into the helo right yeah and he's like they're inside i'm like okay so i go to turn to go inside and I've got these two dogs like out of nowhere coming at me and I'm like going and there's this guy it's it's no lights are on right so everything's really dark and there's an African-American man and I think he was from Africa because the accent okay okay and he's got a laptop and he's doing something on a laptop okay and I'm like sir, where's everybody else at? I'm like, can you get these dogs, right? Because I'm not looking to get bit, right? So he's like, I'll be there in a minute, you know, kind of thing, right? And I'm like going, no, we're here now. You need to come. Where's everybody else at? So finally, somewhere in the conversation, there's nobody else in the house. It's just him and these two dogs, okay? And then the dude outside packing. And the dude outside packing. Okay. All right. And I'm all confused. Okay, I'm like really confused. I'm here to pick up a family and I'm seeing two men, right, with two dogs. I'm like confused. I'm like, all right, well, I'm here. You guys are going, right, kind of thing. So I don't know if this is the right house or not, but you guys are going, right? So I'm like, get out here, get out here now. And, you know, because I'm not wanting to step any further in, you know, because I don't want to get bit, right? So I'm like, if I have to punch a dog, I'm going to punch a dog, but that's (laughs) not what I want to do. Okay, so I go back outside to the big burly blonde hair guy, right? He's like still running around. I'm like, 
grab a case, let's go, right? Because at this point in time, I don't know how much weight we can actually take because it's it's been a little bit of time, right? I should already had like three people in the helicopter lining. Right, right. And so I'm like, I, I get, he, I'm like, he's against the wall and I'm like, okay, stay right here. I'm going to give him the brief. Like, you know, I'm going to drop down the basketball, I'm going to put you in the basketball, I'm going to put the bag on top of you and you're going to go up, right? And he looks at me, he goes, can I take my dog? And I'm like, at that point in time, we had crews going out picking up animals. So we didn't have to pick up animals at that point. Yeah. I said, we'll let somebody know to come and get your dogs. They'll be with, they'll be here today or first thing in the morning. If you need to, you know, if you need me to leave some water and food out for them, I'll do that, you know, kind of thing, just to make sure they're fine. And he's like, and I was like, he was like, but I'm going to take my dog. I said, look, either your dog or your luggage, which are you choosing? He goes, my luggage. I said, okay. So he grabs the luggage and, and then we put him into, I put him in, or no, I call in the helicopter, right? And it's bringing down the basket. And then I turn around and he's off running around again, trying to gather up more shoes and more of these dresses. And I'm like, I go up to him and I put my finger in his chest. Like, okay, so it's like big guy. So I'm like pointing my finger in his chest, right? And I'm like, sir, do not move. You know, because I had to call off the helicopter. They had to pull the basket back up because I had to go run back and chase him, right? Oh my and God. I was like, do not move you know like stay right here and no lie this is what happened oh Oh my god dude it all made sense all of a sudden these women's shoes the dresses everything else i was like oh now this makes sense right like okay like don't move you know kind of thing so i finally get him in the basket with the and then i have to go inside have to grab this african-american male and bring him out he's still doing something on a laptop i have no clue what it is right but he's doing something with a laptop like i said a lot of cases you have a lot of questions that never get answered this is one of them right i have no idea what this guy was doing right but i bring him out as well right give him the option dog or luggage and he's like luggage so i give him luggage as well and then off he goes as well i mean no lie but when that guy i mean this big burly white guy with blonde hair right goes oh you didn't have to do that it's like oh my god that is awesome that is so funny oh no wonder you spent a lot of money on those shoes and dresses. I get it now. God, those, those have to fit your feet. Oh, okay. That's that's tens of thousands of dollars right now. I understand. Okay. Oh my goodness. So yeah, no, that's that was my hilarious cap to Katrina. Okay. Oh, Ed, that is so funny. <laughs> love it. I I'm love like, it. That didn't make the write-up. I don't understand why uh, that didn't make yeah, the write-up. Yeah, right? It definitely should have been in the write-up. That definitely should have been, been in the write-up, write-up right? Come on, sir. It's going to bump me up a medal or something on that one, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nice. Oh, yeah. Ed, so, no, I mean, oh just to, yeah.
No, Katrina was was crazy, crazy for sure, man. I mean, it was like <sighs> it, it. That's the beautiful part about this job is that yeah, as many again, you know, we're sitting in the helos. We're 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 running through every worst case scenario on our way out there. And even our worst case scenarios, we can't come up with what we actually come up to. You're like, where did this come from? Like, this I is not in the like, playbook. This is nowhere in anybody's playbook, right? You know, I mean, you know the greatest part about that? Imagine you, you probably went back to school and like, you know, they, yeah. you could you that what I, was I was like, could you do, run a new student through this scenario? <laughs> they, they would have just jumped back in the water and swam back up and said, pick me up. Um, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Tapping out. Do the POR. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's so funny, yeah. dude. That yeah. is hilarious. So. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. I, I am so glad you shared that with me. That was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, oh man gosh you never know what you're gonna get man never know all right. never know never all know. right so let, let's keep going then because i now uh after yeah, a school in in yeah. 2009 you are mm-hmm. in where i'm in elizabeth city so i go from the a school there and i just hop over across the street um dyer had asked me if i wanted to go over and be the first first class in the shop he said he needed me to go over there and help help out with the shop. So I was like, wherever you need me to go, Dyer, you know, he cool. was a master. He was a top fan at the time. And um, so I was over there. I was the first class. It was three of us, you know, it was uh, Tom Boland, Kelly McCarthy, you know, Master Chief nice. McCarthy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so the three of us over there um, and, you know, so we were running the shop with uh, Senior Chief Darren Reeves, you know, um, and, oh, what a good and guys. so, you know, I know. Right. I mean, we had some had a really good team um, and, you know, this was a really unique experience because almost all of those guys that were there, I had put through school. Oh, wow. That's fun. All the birds <laughs> were there. I had put through school, you know, um, yeah. a couple of them didn't like me for some reason. Um, uh, and I wasn't even I wasn't even the hard I wasn't even the hard ass of, of the school. <laughs> At least I didn't think I was. Um, <laughs> I can remember, you know, you would go over and write up, you know, what was to happen for the day. I remember one of them walking over and erasing it, you know, erasing one of the things that I had put up there. And I was just like, oh, I, I got your number. Got it. Oh, you know, kind it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. You know, I just walked back over. I just wrote it back up on the board. Like, we can do this all day with long. The, with the times, too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, you didn't uh, the first but, time? Yeah, you can yeah, learn right, that. Yeah, you think I'm that old that I forgot what I put up there? You know, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to notice. So, but oh, anyway, so um, funny. but yeah, no, I mean, it was a good shop. Had a great time there. Um, and well, I'm standing. Yeah. You know, while you're there, because you earned this this award for one of your mm-hmm. cases. So, right. can I get into it now? Go, go for it. Oh, dude. Awesome. All right. So this is, uh, this is, yeah, I, I'm really excited about this one because there's, it actually reminded me a little bit of Mario's where we use the U S Navy for a little assistance Mm -hmm. with this. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, let's do it. Citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard accommodation medal to aviation survival technician, first class Edwin L. Hanna, United States Coast Guard. 
Petty Officer Hannah is cited for heroic achievement while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Helicopter 6034 on the night of 06 November 2009. The, fail- the sailing vessel Element Quest had rolled in heavy seas, caused one crew member to suffer severe lacerations and a possible spinal injury. Due to the distance involved and significant fuel constraints combined with the deteriorating weather conditions and an unforgiving hoist environment, Petty Officer Hannah quickly coordinated with the flight surgeon to ensure that the crew was prepared for the hoist and subsequent care. Once the USS Eisenhower was ordered to divert to provide a needed refueling platform, the Coast Guard rescue crew departed en route to the rendezvous point, refueled, embarked the USS Eisenhower's flight surgeon, and continued toward the element quest. Pedersen Hannah immediately briefed the flight surgeon and prepared her to assist in the hoisting evolution, greatly increasing the crew coordination in the helicopter. Once on scene, knowing on-scene endurance was limited, Pedersen Hannah was quickly lowered to the treacherous waters and immediately swam to the stricken vessel, struggling against 14-foot waves and howling winds. Once alongside, Pedersen Hannah lifted himself over the side and immediately began cutting rigging away to clear a recovery area. When direct recovery was deemed impossible, Pedersen Hannah jumped back into the frigid waters and began preparations for water hoist of the crew. Over the next hour, despite treacherous seas and wind gusts exceeding 30 knots, Pedersen Hannah swam each survivor away from the vessel, was hoisted with each up to the helicopter, and returned to the water for the next survivor, resulting in three lives saved. Once all on board, Pedersen Hannah assisted the flight surgeon tending to the injured crew member. Pedersen Hannah's dedication, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Ed, what? Going from yeah. like land to a like the USS Eisenhower to get on scene, stealing their flight surgeon. Oh my gosh, dude. Okay. Okay. Dude, yeah. finish, finish. Yeah, I just. Oh, this what? This is a case that took time to develop, right? So, um, we are uh, we have to go into like secure comms. We're using the bat phone. We're getting, you know, we're having to talk to the Eisenhower directly, talking to some director way, way up the chain, the food chain, to divert the Eisenhower. Um, you know, we've got liaisons we have all kinds of things happening right so it's a it's a a lot of this kind of setting twiddling your thumbs you know just waiting to get the permission to launch because this is this is past bermuda that we're talking about um yeah so we knew that we'd be able to have the gas to get there but obviously the wind's coming back we would so we would have to have something and it wouldn't give us any time on scene so, um, so thankfully the Eisenhower agreed to divert for us for whatever they were doing, you know, out there, right. <laughs> National security. Out there right? in the ocean <laughs> doing <laughs> right? their Navy <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> doing their Navy stuff. Um, and, uh, and they were going to give us their flight surgeon because the report was is that one of their the, and like in the in the write up 
that he had um, seriously injured his back. Okay. So we needed somebody to be able to do some neurological testing and some, some higher level care things that I necessarily wouldn't have been able to do. So, um, so we get every, we get our plan, you know, we take off, we're in route, you know, we fly out to the Eisenhower and that's like, you know, that's a good two hour flight just to get to the Eisenhower. We land on the Eisenhower and that's the second time I've landed on a Navy ship. Um, one other time I landed on a Navy ship was just for a medevac. I medevac one of their crew members. Okay. Um, that was a Truman. I got the coin. The captain gave me the coin. He called me oh, all the way up to the bridge what? to give me the coin. So oh, that was that's really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, you know, we get there and they're like, all right, go in and get the dock. You know, I'm like going, this is a freaking super carrier. I mean, it's the Eisenhower. I'm like, so I'm like, open the hatch. And I'm like going, where, <laughs> where's your flight surgeon? And somebody's like, well, you go, I'm like going, like, you know, I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, well, follow me, you know? So I'm like hopping over the gunnels and all that, you know, I mean, you know how the, it's all set up, the, you know, their hatches yeah. and everything. Yeah. So I'm like, they're like, watch your feet, watch your feet, turn left. Boom, boom, boom. So finally, I wind up in some little office, you know, and there she sits. And I'm like, hey, we're out, we're outside. You ready to go? So she grabs her bag and off, you know, off we go. And I'm following her out. And so we get back in. Um, and they had just done, had just finished up refueling for us, you know, topping us off and hop her in, you know, I had given her a brief and all that kind of stuff and hopped her in, got her all buckled up and I connect to ICS and we're off to go. Right. So, um, and then we fly another couple hours out to scene and, um, and I remember seeing you know, the the sailing vessel. I mean, and the waves were just kicking it, man. They were just kicking it. Um, we were told that the mast had broke, but there was there was a mast on this bad boy, and it was just like, oh, do a major you know, rocking back, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Dang. So we're like, okay, here's the plan. I'm gonna go get on the boat, clear clear path, and we're gonna. Troll line the, the litter down. I'm going to get this person wherever he's at on the boat, get him into the litter and we'll, we'll go from there. Right. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll pick the other two up off the boat, you know, and we'll do basket hoist with them. Yeah. So that was the plan. So get down there. They put me in the water and I noticed right away that the, the current was pretty ripping because I was having to swim really hard just to get to the boat. Um, and it wasn't like sea state, you know, how, when you've got a current, you got something like pulling you back, you feel like you're going nowhere. Kind of right. Thing. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was having to kick it into extra drive to just to get to the boat. And I was like, wow, there's a ripping current, but I'm also in the jet stream. Right. So freezing temps. No, that water was bath water. Okay? Really? Oh, yes. wow. Okay, so I mean, this is in the middle of the freaking winter, right? We're wearing dry suits. I'm in a freaking dry suit. And I realized when I got out there, I didn't think about it before. I'm in a freaking, you know, I'm, I'm in the jet stream here. It's freaking bathwater out here. So I'm swimming up and I'm getting, and so I get myself onto the yacht, right? And I see a guy sitting there and I'm like, hold on a second, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in just a second. Let me get the litter. Right. Yeah. So 
and I mean, and this and literally no lie, it's 90, I mean, just complete over on the side, the kills coming up out of the water kind of thing and going back down. I mean, Holy it's just, cow. I don't know how it didn't flip. Right. So I get stuff cleared away. And I mean, and the entire time I'm doing this, so basically I've got my feet on the gunnel of the boat, right. Yep. Where the yep. stanchions are. Okay. I got my feet and I'm laying back on the deck every single time it goes up like this. Right. So that's the only way I'm standing up, right? And then I'm just laying, I'm just going back with it. And they get me the trail line. I get the trail line and I start pulling. And and it feels like I'm like pulling the helicopter to me. The cable was not going down fast enough. And and every single time that thing would rock back, it would be a, you know, right out, you know, just like my, I burned holes in my gloves. Oh. But I did this so many times to where I was pulling as hard as I, I mean, I mean, I would be like one and a half hand lengths away from grabbing that stink of basket. And then we'd go zipping right back and I'd be like, you know, kind of thing. And, and the helicopter, of course, would back away because they've got to get all the way to that freaking mass. They would go up and out, you know, kind of thing. So it was just, I don't know how long we spent, probably spent too long trying to get that stinking litter in. Um, it, it was, I, I was, my shoulders were completely fatigued. My shoulders and arms were completely fatigued. They were just, they were done. It was like, there was nothing left. They were just like limp, you know, after one of those like really, really hard workouts. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I was, it was, I was done. Uh, upper body done. <laughs> so I was like, all right, got on the, got on the, uh, the, the radio and was like, look, this is not working. I'm just going to have to get them into the water and I'm going to do a, a litter to the water. Right. So I go over and I'm like, okay, who's the guy that is injured? And he was like, oh, it's me. And this dude's like setting up, nothing wrong with him, no lacerations. I don't know where they came up with that, okay? Um, and I'm like, I look at his back, and he's got a couple of avulsions on, the, on his back, right? He's got a couple pretty good-sized bruises on his back, but nothing major. He's ambulatory. He's got, you know, his fingers and toes are working. Everything's going great. He's got pulse, you know? So I was just like, but shoot, you're coming with me. You're going in a basket. I ain't doing a freaking litter, right? Yeah, so yeah. get him into the water. I call for the basket. They send down the basket and I, I get him into it. And then, then I, I go, I go back out and I'm, and by this point in time, it was like, I'm telling you the current, I was like, again, a thousand yards from the boat. And so I was like going, dude, I, I'm, 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 this is it, you know, I'm like, so they would come back no and pick arms. me up. I just can't <laughs> right? do it anymore. Right? Like I've got some fins, but I mean, it's not going to get me there. Right. So, so they pick me I up and get me closer. Can, they, can you give me a Snickers or what? <laughs> the funny thing is I'd eaten a Snickers before this. Right. And this would oh, come into play awesome. afterwards. All right. So, and I am just, I am burning up. I mean, I'm just like sweating buckets. I mean, You've been in the pool where you've worked out so hard and you're just sweating in the pool, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is it, right? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm there, right? So, so I'm kicking my butt off to get back to the boat, to get to the next person, to get them to jump off. And so one at a time, it was two males, one female, um, and, you know, got them to the basin. Again, it was the same iteration. They would have to, you know, pick me up, drag me back over and go back into it and swim back over. 
uh, and, and get the next person. And I can remember just like, just the feeling of like, oh my gosh, this is just like, it's kicking my butt and I'm pissed off because it's kicking my butt. Right. You know? And, you know, and I didn't realize that I had been in the water for 40 minutes. Wow. You know? So, so I'm like, you know, so I'm just like working as hard as I can. And like I said, I am, I know I'm overheating. I'm feeling really sick. I'm not feeling good. Um, and I remember I got that last person, got them stabilized, you know, with the basket so it wasn't swinging. And I'm back off and away. And I can remember just feeling the upchuck coming, right? And I waited for the wave to go over top of my head, you know, and just completely submerge me. And I just let it go. And I'm like, kind of thing, right? And I come back up, you know, and I'm like looking. And I'm like, I find a helicopter again. I'm like, okay, there it is. Next wave you know kind of thing you know and i did that twice and i was just like okay don't feel better but at least got that out of my system you know kind of thing and just you know they they dropped the hook down got me up and got and i remember i come up and i i looked at the flight surgeon she just looked at me and she went you know just like this face like i can't believe that just happened kind of thing you know she was i i I don't know but i just remember her face just looking at me going Oh, what you know, the, kind of thing. What, so, what did you, what did you just bring me to, boy? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Welcome to our world. <laughs> uh, uh, hello. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that that was a good. I mean, so we flew all the way back. You know, had to hopscotch off the uh, the, the Eisenhower again, refueled, and uh, and then back home. And I mean, it was it was daylight. You know, when we got back. Um, and I can remember, I just felt so sad for the three of them. I think this was, uh, some kind of, uh, expedition that they were doing or something like that. Okay. Um, and I, because I could look at them and they just were all hanging their head. It was like shame. Yeah. You know? And I felt, I felt bad for them. I was like, dude, don't feel, you know, bad kind of thing, but you know, Handed them off to the ambulance there at Elizabeth City, um, you know, and they took them to the hospital to get checked out, you know. But they were from Canada, um, so they had, Canada. They had to go back to Canada. In Canada, eh? yeah. So I just, <laughs> that's for all my Canadian fans, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So, but wow. uh, but yeah, no, that was that was that was that case. Um, like I said, Dang, man, that, that is was, gnarly. That was a beast. Um, but got you know, we got so much recognition for it because they put us up for the National Her- Helicopter uh, Award Association. Uh, yeah. NHA, yeah, National Helicopter yeah. Association. Yeah, and yeah. AHA. Uh, yeah. yeah, so um, I remember A-N-A. the first A-N-A. round. Yeah. I, I can't remember. It's it's on one of my plaques. Um, That's awesome. So, hey, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You and your so crew. We, yeah, no, we won the non-deployed for the year. Um, oh, so we got nice. to go to Good we got to go to New York stay, uh, on Times Square, meet a whole bunch of brass. You know, remember the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard at the time? He was, I think, it was a boatswain mate. You know, and okay. he came up to me and he's like, looking at my wings because they're gold. You know, it was like, uh, you're an Airedale. And I'm like, hey. yes, Master Chief, <laughs> I am an Airedale. <laughs> 
you know? Oh, that's so funny. And he didn't give us a coin. Everybody, all the others give us a coin. Oh, man, come on, Master Chief. So I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, this is before I turned Chief, you know, before I became a Chief. So I was like, I I didn't know, you know, that I probably could have ribbed him a little bit for it. But, um, (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, I got a couple questions about that that case now that I'm thinking about. Because you had said... And the award says it too, like when you're in the water for a long time, but let's, let's start from the beginning. How long, do you remember how long it took you to get to the Eisenhower? Like I said, it was probably a couple hours. So let's, let's call it two hours, just maybe two and a half mm-hmm. to get to the Eisenhower. You top right. off and then it's a couple hours to get on scene. Now the Coast Guard H60 can fly for give or take about five. Maybe six five hours, depending on weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go six hours, max gas, you know, good wind on both directions. And, you know, yeah, you can yeah, go six yeah. hours, which never happens. But we'll, we'll say we were right at bingo. Yeah. So you're talking, I mean, that that's a long day, no matter how you twist and turn it. it, it let's mm-hmm. two hours to the boat, two hours of the Eisenhower, another two hours of scene, hour plus on scene, two hours right back hour, yeah. to the Eisenhower and then refuel and then back to shore. Did you take the uh, flight surgeon with you to shore or just drop her off on the boat? No, no. We dropped her back off on the Eisenhower. Cool. She was like, yeah, yeah thanks I mean, for the ride. Good luck. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he's got a bad bruise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, that, that yeah. in itself, just all the flight time is fatiguing and geez, oh man, dude, yeah. well done to you and your entire yeah. crew. Like that's yeah. pretty badass. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I told you, you know, at, the, at the beginning or before we started recording that you know, I wanted to do this, you know, it's kind of a, that for my boys, you know, yeah. because they probably didn't understand why dad would come home and just crash, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you, I now you just, for, you just let them know like, Oh, the excuse is there. I just didn't tell you. <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't that I, I wanted to throw ball with you or go ride the bikes with you. I really would have much rather have done that. But I I could not lift my arms. Still Six hours ago, done. I was throwing up in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I was chumming I was for chumming sharks. For sharks, right? Yeah, and it was like thinking. Hopefully, those hammerheads are not back. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and Ed, these stories are insane. I'm loving it. Dang, man. Good. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. This is what we'll do, man. I, so I really wanted to get through those. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, I will leave it entirely up to you. If you want to give us one or two more uh, quick ones, I'm all about it. Or you can leave us with some words of wisdom from your long, wonderful career. So tag yeah. your it. Well, I mean, you heard all of my star cases and none of them went, you know, how you you hear them or how they're presented in movies you know guardian yada yada kind of thing you know so go guardian go guardian (laughs) right um you know some of the times you know i probably could have spoken up and could have gotten clarity on some things that i didn't get cleared up you know i had you know in the crm world you know it's called excessive courtesy right and you know, it wasn't until, you know, I got to A school and I started teaching CRM to students that I really realized that, especially early on in my career, there could have been things that I could have done uh, to 
to at least brought light you know, or like know what was happening, you know, inside the cockpit if I had questions, you know. Um, I just kept my head down and I just was doing my job, you know, what I thought yeah. was my job. And I wasn't doing it fully to the best that I could have done. Um, one, one other time in Houston where I probably should have lost my life. Um, and we, we never discussed this as a crew afterwards. Um, we're out on a training mission. This uh, pilot, um, when it, we, we got a lot of transfers from the Army. Um, and he was out doing his night swimmer stuff to, to get qualified. And <clears throat> they put me down. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult night for hoisting. There's no horizon. And um, so they put me down. Um, we're doing some swim work. You know, I've got the little donut, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I remember they come in to pick me up and I connect. And then all of a sudden the helo starts flying off and I'm connected. And I'm literally all set and start bouncing on the water. And then I torpedo underneath of the water and I'm like underwater for, for a little while. And I'm sitting there thinking they're not slowing down. I don't know what direction they're going. I don't know. Cause I was like, my fear was I get tangled up in a Fetistron or something like that with yeah. the cable. So I'm like, crap, I've got to somehow get myself off of this hook now. So I'm underwater grabbing the hook figured out how to pull myself off of the hook while being you know torpedo and underwater i do that let go and i like pop out like a freaking dolphin like <laughs> kind of thing like right and like and then i hit the water and i'm skipping and spinning and rolling you know kind of thing and i'm like come to you know finally stop and i'm like going holy crap and i can see the helicopter and i vector on back in come back in to pick me up and I should have went time stop let's go home after that yeah and I didn't I, they were like okay ready for the next hoist and I'm like going oh sure absolutely sure yeah. sir no problem you know yeah so they put me back down um and I can't remember if it was the next evolution or the one uh, one or two right after it but next thing I know I am swinging so hard that I literally I am at the nose of the helicopter, looking at the pilot in his eyes, going, there's a rotor head just above me. And I remember Jeez, looking at him man. going, I remember going, I am freaking pissed right now because I'm about to die. And, and he looked at me and I looked at him. And next thing I know, I'm back over on the other side and I grab a hold of the, uh, of the landing gear on the other side. Okay. And I can remember, I can remember the mech looking underneath of the helo, like going, where'd he go? <laughs> I think, cause I didn't come swinging out from the other side and I'm holding on with one arm onto the landing gear. And the, you know, the cable was, you know, the cable had stopped and to see him, I'm like, get the cable up, you know? So the cable goes up to where I think, okay, well maybe I can let go, you know? So I let go and it's like this still kind of thing probably oh should have changed the cable after that because uh, of yeah the, shock load yeah, and everything else the shock all load all that stuff so but they Jeez, pulled me man. back up and still i think i did another evolution before we went home and yeah, never that, discussed that's it one that probably should have been aborted and called off and said you know what let's, yeah. let's try another day yeah so you know wow i just want you know you know 
any you know future swimmers or swimmers that are still active out there listening to this you know or whatever field you're in i mean don't allow that excessive courtesy to kind of come in i mean we're we we all think we're invincible and uh for a little while (laughs) yeah for a little while and fortunately some of us are lucky enough to uh to to for for us to live through these stupid things um you know, Dyer told me that, you know, when you're, when you're young, you're strong and you're stupid. And the only thing that you got going for is your strength. You know, when you get older, you get wiser and you realize that you don't have to rely on that strength as much, you know? Um, And I've kind of, you know, it took me a lot while to figure that one out. Um, So, you know, just want to, you know, kind of just let guys know that, you know, you can speak up, don't be afraid, you know, those pilots are not going to get in trouble. They're not going to lose their wings. You know, yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to figure it out. You know, those, those ring knockers are going to help keep each other together and figure it out, you know? So, and, and, and no offense. I mean, they turn out to be great pilots, but sometimes the, it can be a ro- rocky road to get there. Yeah. Um, it's just, um, just, you know, just don't be afraid to speak up on those things. Yeah. And these could be lessons learned um instead of like holy crap you know yeah stories totally. now that i'm telling like <laughs> going don't be like me yeah <laughs> uh, i hey i'm i'm on board with you yeah and it took me a lot as well to learn because there were times that i did not speak up as well and it's you know it's one of those things when you're young you don't know and it, it takes something like that to be like you know what next time that, that's not going to happen to me again so yeah you know don't be afraid to say no and and you know what, here's the bottom line with some of that in my mind is that I'm going to tell you no, and we can come train tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, okay, right. you got a different crew, or maybe it's got to wait two or three days. Okay. Everybody just came home. We get debrief it. Okay. Right. Every, talk That's the about important it, thing. And then, and then yeah. go train the next day. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Ed, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, brother. Uh, I can't wait to get together with you and hang out and, and yes. heck, we'll just whenever, whenever, wherever, let's make yes. it happen. So, all right. You got it, man. You got it. Sweet. Well, thanks again, brother. Uh, it's a pleasure. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.